Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. First of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. You heard the man. This is From the Pink Seats. I am Jacob Lane, joined by always by my good friend and co-host Matt McGavick. And Matt, we certainly don't have a shortage of news this week to talk about when it comes to Louisville football. I thought that was going to be a short episode. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, man, 2020. Every time you think you got to figure it out, it goes the other way. And what a what a couple of days it's been for Louisville football. Um, we've got a lot to get into tonight. I'm really excited about the show. Just Matt and myself uh, tonight. And we're going to talk a lot about what's going on. There's a lot to talk about in terms of Scott Satterfield, the coaching situation, the player situation, the game on Saturday. Matt, uh, it, there's a game Saturday. Like, I think you can kind of laugh in this with me now that we've had a couple of days. But a couple, uh, I think it was Sunday I texted you uh, about this week's episode. And you're like, they, <laughs> they play on Saturday. And I'm like, who plays on Saturday? Yeah, somehow <laughs> I, mi- I missed the whole Louisville game getting moved up a week. But Louisville takes on Wake Forest in their final game of the season on Saturday. Uh, just hoping to get that fourth win. But before we can even dive into that, Matt, we, we got to start talking about – what has happened with Scott Satterfield um, in the Louisville football program and why our fan base is in such hysteria. Uh, so let me just kind of quickly recap, right? I mean, I know that if you're listening to this, you've probably heard the story 500 times by now, you know, all the details in and out, uh, but Scott Satterfield uh, back a couple weeks ago, report from the athletic linked him to potentially being interested in interviewing for the South Carolina job that caused such a mass hysteria around the fan base and people wondering why and what and how that eventually later on that night, Scott Satterfield had to come out with a statement saying, look, I, I have no interest in this job. Uh, we're going to move forward. I am the coach of global football. Well, fast forward a couple days, a couple weeks, whatever. I've lost track of time at this point in 2020. No idea what day of the week it is now. Scott Satterfield's name is once again mentioned uh, interviewing for the head football coach 
uh, position at South Carolina. This time by, I believe the site is Big Spur of the 247 Sports Network. Yeah, it was 24-7. Yeah, Uh, and so once again, Louisville fan base set into hysteria. And as you kind of peel back the layers on this, Matt, it's ugly. Uh, It's ugly in a lot of places, and uh, I think that we we need to kind of try to talk about this, try to figure out what is going on. Uh, Let me ask you this. Saturday morning, what what are your kind of initial thoughts? My initial thought was what the hell is going on? Because I I had decided I wanted to sleep in a little bit. I because I didn't realize that some of this had started to get rolling the night before because it originated from a Friday evening piece from twenty four seven saying like oh it was just one of those uh afterthoughts as part of the South Carolina coaching show. It's like oh yeah, and this is happening. Scott Satterfield is going to have an in person interview with Ray Tanner, and then people started to catch on to that the next morning. And then once people like myself woke up, it really started to take off. And I, I kind of caught myself a little bit late to everything else. So I was just trying to find out what exactly was going on because things were happening so fast that at one point I thought it was just a matter of time that he was going to get the job at South Carolina that day. Things were just escalating that that quickly. I mean, we ended up finding out around two-ish that day from the Courier Journal that he's going to stay at Louisville. But the about the hour leading up to that, I thought we we're going to get a, a breaking news alert at any point that he had accepted the job at SCAR. Yeah, it certainly looked like it was trending that way. Um, and then, you know, we obviously saw how it played out uh, over the weekend and into the press conference on Monday, which uh, you took part in and were able to talk to Scott Satterfield about some of this. And, man, uh, I have not seen Louisville football uh, or Louisville sports in general. It's it, it, Outside of the NCAA, Louisville has had a fairly clean couple of years following all of the PR crisis that happened in the mid-2000s and, you know, uh, before Chris Mack and Scott Satterfield and these guys got here. But uh, Louisville – was trending all over social media and not just Louisville, Scott Satterfield for his comments from that press conference. Um, I, I thought that at some point that there was going to be a way for this to kind of cleanly lay out, uh, you know, cleanly be laid out of what happened, what took place uh, and why he interviewed for the job. And, uh, you know, Scott Satterfield made the, talked about the location of the job being important and that, you know, he felt obligated to take the interview and to listen to what he called a conversation, not an interview, a conversation. Let's make sure we, we drop those in the air quotes here. But um, with South Carolina, because of his family being close, which Matt, I, look, man, as a dad, um, as somebody who's got, you know, both of his parents still alive, I completely understand why somebody would want to do that. But just come out and say that, like, or come out and say that, you know, you want to have a conversation with them. Don't try to deny it and uh, continue to kind of push it away like it didn't happen. But uh, as we saw, Scott Satterfield made some comments about the players and, um, you know, being more committed than players because there's a lack of family, just a lot of things happening. And the more he talked, the worse it got, the worse it got for Louisville, for the players. Um, And then there's just, there's so many layers of this. Like I said, then you have the players stepping back in to support Scott Satterfield um, to say that he's, you know, a truthful man and honest and, uh, you know, really loves them. And here we are, we find ourselves in in the middle of the week. There's a game on Saturday. um, And I I just don't know where we go from here. I really don't. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what, what, what do we do? What, what has to happen here for this to kind of go back to me in some kind of kumbaya? I mean, what's the uh, cure all in college football wins. If, if Satterfield comes out and has another three and seven uh, campaign next next year, the complaints from the fan base and maybe even internally are going to be louder than they ever would be. I mean, if he goes out, and maybe has you know a solid season, uh, six and six, seven and five. Or man, I, I don't know how college football schedule is going to work next year with COVID. Hopefully, everything is going to go back to normal. But if if he has a winning season, 
I think a lot of people, there's still going to be people complaining about it. There's always going to be. I mean, I don't think the fan base is ever going to be completely happy with any head coach we have, unless it's, you know, Nick Saban or something like that. But the bottom line, you, you got to win. I mean, this year, this heading into your third year, you're going to have a roster of more than half of your guys. And this incoming class is going to be on paper, the best Louisville recruiting class we've ever had. If, if not the best ever, it's second best it's up there. So if you don't, start to really put things together into your heading into this third season there that that that's going to warm up a little bit uh, for it might not be fair but that's just the nature of the beast yeah you're exactly right man and in college football every year we see a coach interview for a job be, be a very serious candidate only to pull out of the job late and and you know use that for leverage and um, I, you know, I think that we have now seen that I think it was uh, football scoop and Zach Barnett who reported this morning that, you know, there was some uh, potential discussion about an extension and the extension didn't happen. And maybe the conversation with South Carolina had some leverage involved. Uh, again, that's college football, man. Like any college football yeah. coach who says that they're tied to their program, we know that they're not like there's very few coaches in college football who probably won't leave the school that they're at. Let's just be real. Um, and this is part of the business. And, uh, you know, I thought it was really interesting last week when we sat down with Gigi and we kind of briefly talked about this Gigi Robinson um, on the on one of the episodes of From the Peak Seats. And he just said, look, man, it's a business decision. He's got to go out and, and get his and his players. We can't take that personally. But Saturday morning, I, I thought it was really interesting that the players started to tweet, like not the things I want to wake up seeing, like, oh, man, this is crazy. You know, you have guys like Keon Wakefield and other players who have been in the program who make comments that make you go, uh, you know, what's that have to do? Like, what's that about? Um, and, and again, it's just you go back to the, it's there's so many layers to it. Um, and now Louisville finds themselves in a very awkward situation because, um, you know, he's back. He's the head coach. And I think a lot of people were in the same mindset as you is that he wasn't. And they were beginning to kind of make plans to move forward. Um, yeah, and let me ask you this. This is an interesting thing. Why do you think – obviously, Louisville fans are very passionate. That's kind of the thing about us. Like you, you got to – you're not just getting a, you know, a fan. You're getting the most extreme passionate version of that. But why do you think fans took it so personally that he w- was interviewing for another job? Because we've seen that before. Coaches have done that here. You know, stepping to other jobs isn't uh, something that's, that's new here. I, I think it's just because of the history of the head coaching position at Louisville football. I mean, you had John L. Smith, who left for Michigan State in the middle of a freaking bowl game. You had Bobby Petrino and everything that went with Auburn and Jetgate, I guess, if you want to call it that. You had Charlie Strong talking to Tennessee, ended up turning Tennessee down, then ended up going to Texas. And then now this. I think with everything that Satterfield had presented up to this point of maybe not – confirming it and writing it down in stone but he seemed to have the kind of personality or are around him that if there was going to be anyone who had any shot of being the quote-unquote Denny Crum of football it was going to be this guy and I think a lot of people had been starting to buy into the notion that as long as he keeps winning we might actually be able to you know keep him around for more than five years and then the news comes out that in his second year in a losing campaign He's already talking to another program. I think that's why so many people were rubbed the wrong way. One, because of the notion they thought they might be able to keep him around. And two, of all the times to try and negotiate leverage for a contract, one, losing season, two, COVID. And it's it's it and then three, the job itself. It's I, I get it where it is. It's in the Carolinas, it's for where Scott Satterfield spent uh two plus decades coaching at Appalachian State. But it's South Carolina. 
I know it's SEC, but South Carolina is a mid to bottom tier SEC job. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. They are, especially right now, they are not a very good football program. I mean, when when it when it gets I mean, to the dude, point, their their head coach was Will Muschamp. Like that tells yeah, you everything to you need that. to know. That when, tells when, you everything you need to know. When, when it gets to the point when you hire Will Muschamp as a retread, <laughs> you know things are not trending in the great right direction for your program. Right. I mean, they've been, look, don't get me wrong. They've, they've had their years where they've been good. I mean, I remember Marcus Lattimore back in, you know, the mid 2000s was a dynamic Jadavion running back. Clowney was. Yeah. Jadavion Clowney. I mean, they were, they, they, they've had their moments and, you know, Steve Spurrier was able to kind of get them going again, at least a little bit, but uh, you know, they're, they're a school that, that wakes up with four or five losses. You know, they start their day with that and, and they're fighting against the grain. And let me be quite honest with you. His system, in my opinion, will not work in the sec. He's a big 10 ACC football guy. I, now look, you can disagree with, on that with me. I understand. But when you're playing with undersized players, it's just the way – that's the nature of the beast. The SEC is the big boys. And maybe maybe that's that scheme changes should he go to an SEC school. But I, I never thought of him as an SEC guy. Um, and I think that, in my opinion, why fans were so upset – and maybe I don't have a good read of the room here. I'd like to think that I do. Uh, but I, I think fans were upset for two reasons, okay? The, the first one being I, I think a lot of fans still, deep down, don't want Scott Satterfield as the head coach of Louisville. Like, I still think that there's a lot of fans. Uh, I mean, I can't tell you, man, how many times I've been out at a bar or eating with a friend watching the game, and, and they're like, man, I'm not sure about this dude. Like, even in, in the, the moments where they looked great last season at 8-5, and five, people had questions. So it makes me wonder if people get really defensive because they're like, you're already looking at someone else like at another school. We didn't even want you here to begin with. And we had to, you know, be taught, you know, accept it and and learn to love that. And I'm not saying that's every fan. That's that's. That, that, but I think there's a good chunk of people who might say deep down, I'm not sure he's the guy. The second thing is – No, I, I agree uh, before you move on. I think, But I think the main thing people think that, I mean, other than the fact that they win a losing campaign, but, I mean, it's the second year and things are going to happen. I think the main reason a lot of people are not told him is because he's not Jeff Rom. I think a lot of people who – never didn't want Tyrefield here to begin with are the ones who were adamant that we should that Jeff Brom should have been the next head coach I mean uh, that's something that Louisville couldn't handle couldn't it, it was taken out of their own hands because yeah. Jeff Brom ended, uh, ended up deciding that he wanted to stay at Purdue I mean uh, I can't fault him for making that decision it's his own decision if he wants right. to stay at Purdue that's his prerogative I mean I'm not going to fault the guy what I, I and I'm not going to sit here and say oh no I like uh Satterfield was my first coach because I, I was with a lot of Louisville fans I wanted Jeff Jeff Brom to be uh, the next head coach at Louisville because I thought it was a perfect fit. I mean, he's yeah. from Louisville, went to Trinity, played at Louisville, coached at Louisville, and just it, it it seems like the perfect fit. And then for him to spurn Louisville, it it just made you think, okay, if the prodigal son is saying no, who who can Louisville get? Exactly right. But what what you said at the beginning of the show makes sense, right? Winning cures everything. He won eight games. Louisville was picked to finish dead last in the ACC in his first season. He's the ACC coach of the year. He produces a 1,500-yard running back. Louisville hadn't had a 1,000-yard back since 2010. Not not quarterback, but running back. 2010. They hadn't had a 1,000-yard receiver uh, since 2007. And Satterfield did both in his first season. Like, there was a bunch of reasons to love him. And let me set the record straight. I am a huge Scott Satterfield fan. I think that he is going Absolutely, to be a, 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 a big time head coach here. I think Louisville is trending back up towards the, 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 you know, the, the top of the pack of the ACC, but everything here 
that I think everything at the heart of this is very innocent. Like in terms of innocent, let's just take away the pandemic for a second and just and put this in a vacuum of just looking at this job. It's very innocent, just trying to get leverage to get that extension that he thought he's earned uh, with building Louisville quickly back up to where he where he has. But it's just been done wrong in every step of the way. And my second reason why I think fans are so upset, if this was, um, say, Clemson, North Carolina, um, you know, some of the other big schools – uh, that potentially would make sense for Scott Satterfield in that geographical range, or just from a program perspective, this isn't that. This isn't the Charlie Strong interviewing at Texas. This isn't Bobby Petrino interviewing with the Falcons or even Auburn. Um, you know, you, John L. to Michigan State. It's still at that time, Louisville wasn't really what they were. That was going to the Big Ten. So I think that fans one not necessarily sure they wanted him to begin with. And now here's a guy after two seasons in the middle of a pandemic who says, I'm going to go out and look at this other school, but they have a losing record. Uh, they're not a good program at all right now. They're the bottom of the SEC. Uh, and Louisville is three and seven. You've lost seven games in your second year, uh, almost as many games as you won your first year. So I think that that combined just made this massive storm of how dare you try to look elsewhere so quickly when you're, when what you have here could be, you know, much worse than you know what it is or you know, whatever the case is, but I think that fans got really upset really quickly because of those two things. Just kind of a perfect storm. Uh, let me ask you this before we move on to the next topic: biggest worry that you have moving forward. Um, I, my worry is his relationship with Vince Tyree because most most of the questions that were asked him during that Monday press conference, I believe he answered honestly. Maybe it might not have been the answer that a lot of fans wanted to hear, particularly when uh, I asked him. Um, if any school from the Carolinas was going to interview or ask him to talk in the future, would he have an obligation to, you know, talk to for the same reason he talked to South Carolina being that it's closer to his family and his parents and whatnot. And he said, Oh, well, I'm not going to say no, but I'm going to handle it differently. I mean, it, it's truthful. And I commend him for being upfront and honest because any coach in that situation can be like, Oh no, I'm, I'm going to stay at Louisville. I'm going to stay here. This is my past, which, which Satterfield has said that. But then again, he didn't, deny the possibility of just like you know just talking to any other school from the region and 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 i applaud him for being upfront and honest is it the answer that people want to hear no but i mean one line and but the, the way the, he answered it was so great you took him he was not expecting that question and he was like well, i mean in that second he knew okay i have to be honest i have to tell the truth here because if not i'm going to be pigeonholed into this years later if it does happen and he was just like i mean yeah i guess it I was would. one of those situations <laughs> where if you wait any longer to answer you you people will know it's a lie yeah, people know the answer before you even say it yeah but anyways well, whenever Mark Ennis uh, asked the question about if Vince Tyree had known that he was talking to South Carolina, he pretty much just gave a non-answer and said that, hey, I'm just going to leave that that conversation between Vince and I. I mean, if, if you had talked to Vince, why wouldn't you say any other answer other than, yes, he knew? So given the answer, I'm not going to go out and accuse Satterfield of saying, oh, he didn't talk to Vince or didn't talk to Vince in any capacity, because I'm sure he kept Vince in the loop to, you know, some of the details. But the answer that he gave made me think that he didn't keep Vince completely in the loop to all the finer details that went on. Do I think he kept Vince, uh, to use his word, abreast of things going on? Yeah, I believe he did. But to... I he I give I think he maybe gave an omission of truth in talking to Vince, not necessarily lied about some of the f uh, finer things of this quote unquote conversation with Ray Tanner. So I think going forward, that's 
that's I think that's going to be the biggest problem. Now, again, like I said, go back to the beginning of the podcast. Winning will cure all. Winning cures everything in college football. So as long as Satterfield bounces back from the remainder of his career, I think his relationship with Tyrae will be peachy king. But as of right now, I don't think they're on the greatest of terms right now. Which would make sense. But but for, you know, to in defense of Scott Satterfield, how many people go and interview for a job and are completely open with their boss? Now, this is completely di- – this is a different <laughs> scenario here. This is not me going out and trying to find another job in marketing, right? This is, this is the highest level of college football. Uh, there's a lot of money on the line. Uh, but – at the same time, like, you know, it's, it's tough to interview for a new job or have a conversation about a new job, but also be completely open about it with your employer because it gets awkward. It gets really weird really quickly. Um, so I, I think that's something that can be mended. Vince seems like a reasonable guy. I think he under, you know, can understand moving forward that they've got to be on the same page. But here's what I'm worried about. This is like a five-layered answer here, man. First, and I think I, I have tweeted all of these things out there of just big worries. First is how long until it happens again? How long until we're in another scenario where Scott Satterfield gets, you know, interest from a team and says, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to interview with them again. And what happens when that happens again? Um, here's the, here's the thing with that. This kind of the, the next, the, the one A and one B of this is if you win if say Scott Satterfield goes nine and three next season or eight and four, there's going to be a lot of programs probably interested, especially after a three and seven season, four and eight type year. If he's able to get it turned back around and really look like his scheme is in place and he is, um, you know, coaching him up and getting the best out of the team that's going to be really young next year, um, then I think that there's going to be teams that are interested. And um, does he go to the next one? Did, you know, there's a lot of people out there that think that the only reason why Scott Satterfield is not the head coach at South Carolina right now is because they didn't offer him the job. Whether or not that that is true, I have no idea. I'm not really interested in that at this point but he, because he's the head coach at Louisville. But if, if that's true, does that mean that the next job that comes along, is that the one that he takes? You know, And, and so right. you have to worry about that. But on the other side, if you lose, saying that Scott Satterfield next year goes three and nine. Four and eight. It's. I mean, they're going to be growing pains next year offensively because it is a whole new brand new, you know, brand new crop of skill position players. Um, and and you know, you hope that having a veteran quarterback will, will help and getting these young guys snaps. But say they go three and nine next year, you think that Louisville fans are going to want a fourth year of that? Because I don't. I think that if they uh, don't have a winning record next year, you're going to have a really hard time convincing fans that he's the guy for the job. And it, is that fair? Probably not. But. I think this is going to be because of the reasons I mentioned earlier, Matt, I, this is going to be really hard for a lot of fans to let go. It, it's going to be really hard to let go. And uh, I think a lot of them are going to feel like it's only a matter of time before he jumps to the next job. Now the next layer of this is, and it's a week away, so we won't have to wait long, but signing day, what happens there? Do we see a run of decommitments so far? Uh, it seems like most of the players are pretty sold that they're going to commit or they're going to sign. And that's a, that's a great, great sign for the, for the uh, future of the program. No pun intended there. You mentioned that the, you mentioned at the top of how, you know, how highly ranked they are and the kind of guys that they have coming in here, uh, which I'm going to uh, second here to plug the red chips podcast on the state of Louisville network. Dalton Pence does a great job with recruiting for state of Louisville. Check that out. If you haven't already available where all uh, podcasts are found, but signing day is a big deal. If they can get those guys in here, I think that's a, obviously a pretty big sign. And it, it tells you that the families, the players feel comfortable that he's going to be here. Uh, and I tweeted this also, sorry, go ahead. Jump in. I don't mean to steal. Yeah, the, no, you're fine. I was just about to, you need to man. Yeah, no, you're fine. I was just about to say the uh, last couple of days we've had, the normal weekly uh, teleconferences with the coordinators, both uh, Dwayne Leverton and Brian Brown, and of course with signing day about 
uh, what is it like a week away or something? A like week that. away, yeah, right. I think it's I mean, Wednesday or Thursday. Like you said, the days just kind of run together. It's, right. it's kind of just waking up and figuring. Oh, yeah, today is that day. But uh, anyways, they were of course recruiting brought up at some point since Sunday is so close, and they all seem to think that they're going to be able to sign all twenty-two of their current commits, both offensively and defensively. I mean, and I, I based on what I've seen online, it seems like everything everything is going all smoothly on the recruiting trail. I. I don't think there's going to be any decommits. I don't think there could be any players who choose not to sign during the early signing period. If there is, it could be one of the higher profile guys, such as Ben Perry. But he's already said he's going to uh, not only sign. Ooh, but I don't think give he, Cardinal fans heart attacks like that now, man. Ooh, but I, but I'm pretty sure that he said he's going to uh, enroll yeah, he, early. I'm pretty too. sure he did. Right. Exactly. There's a lot yeah. of guys who. So a, a lot of these guys, not only like a lot, of, a lot of the recruits, but a lot of the higher profile guys are going to sign and then become early in release so as far as like momentum generate on the recruiting trail i don't think this uh scott the scott satterfield to south carolina rumors slash dilemma slash whatever you want to call it i don't think it really had that much of an impact at right. all right right exactly Which and then the, it, the, la- the last part of this is the transfer portal uh the the new transfer rule is supposed to go into effect in january uh, that would allow players to have no penalty with transfers. They would be able to go to another school and play right away one time. Uh, and if there is any kind of friction with the players and the staff, I think that that will be the sign of when we know. Once that rule becomes official, uh, maybe even before that, if players decide that they have a pretty good feeling that that's going to happen, why not put your name in the portal if you if you think that there's going to be an issue with him leaving down the road? That would make sense to me. We've seen a lot – not a lot of transfers. We've seen a few so far. Um and I think there'll be a few more, which I would hope that fans wouldn't freak out over that because players transfer for a number of reasons all the time. But if you start to see kind of, um, you know, something equal to what happened in 2018, which wasn't their fault, just a lot of guys leaving. But you right. know, if they have a big number of guys transfer, I think that's a red flag. That's a big red flag. Um, and that's definitely something to and, watch. And I think there's going to be a fair amount of transfers. I mean, probably more so than like your average D1 program just because well I mean we don't know who's going to come back for their additional year yet I mean they've had preliminary talks as to like coming back for like seniors coming back for their additional year granted by the NCAA because of the pandemic but there's going to be some guys that maybe aren't quite NFL ready going to try and come back for an additional year and I think because of that um some of the younger players might see uh, an opportunity where they would normally get additional playing time because of the seniors coming out, see that taken away from them because some of the seniors are coming back. So I think if anything, there's going to be some freshmen, sophomores, maybe somewhere along those lines that might, might see a decrease in their playing time just because of the situation with the roster. I think I might, we might see some of those guys uh, transfer out and, we could see a couple upperclassmen decide to leave their program just because they don't want, they want to spend their additional year elsewhere where they're going to be a guaranteed starter. Cause I know there's some upperclassmen on the roster who aren't starters and kind of see the field semi sparingly, not as much as they would expect. So I, I, I would expect to see a fair amount of transfers. And then there's going to be people transfer out just because it's, it's not a, a scheme fit. Right. I mean, or it's just no, a, you know, it's we're in the middle of a pandemic. If people decide, yeah. hey, I need to go back home, like I need to be closer to my family, then no one can fault them for that. There's yeah. going to be deflections every year. It's part of I mean, the, it, college sports now has this free agency period of sorts where, you know, the portal becomes the, the news of the sport. Um, and, and it's just something to watch because it's it's an easy out this year. You know, if that there's a lot of players that were tweeting Saturday and Sunday in support of Scott Satterfield, which 
Let's get let's get it straight. That's great to see. That's a great right. sign because fans can be mad all, all they want. But what really matters that you mentioned is the athletic director, the athletic staff relationships, and then coaching your coaching staff and your players. And as long as you have their respect, you're good. Um, and so it seems that, you know, they're back on board, but it, it seemed a little bit coordinated. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be accusatory of any kind, but the messaging was very similar. The timing was very similar. Uh, maybe that's just how they all feel. Hopefully that's the case. But um, I think the portal, when when that rule goes into effect, that might give us a better idea of what's really going on and how players feel. So we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But let's let's um, talk about the game, man. I mean, it, it with the Scott Satterfield news and the game being moved up from the, the 19th to the 12th, um, I think it's just kind of easily slid under the radar, but Louisville is going to celebrate the seniors, um, a, a special group of guys who have been through a hell of a lot in this program. Uh, against Wake- several coaches, several scheme right. changes. It's just- how, many, how many defensive coordinators has this group of seniors? Let's, let's add that up. I think that's a fun fact. So they had Grantham. Okay, so- they would have had Grantham in 15, 16, right? Yeah, 15, 16. So- yeah. And then they go to Peter Sermon. Peter Sermon and then BVG. Yep, and, and then, then Brian, Brian Brown. Brown. So Ooh. four coordinators in, in five years, essentially. And then you know, two, two head coaching changes and then COVID. Right. They've gone and through a lot. They have been through um, quite quite more than any normal senior class at Louisville. So um, I, I'm, I'm really hoping that fans turn out at that game uh, to celebrate those guys and to be able to – um, to, to give them the moment to go off because this is essentially their bowl game. Louisville's not likely going to go to a bowl, even if they win this at four and eight. Right. Uh, it's very unlikely. I don't even know if this group of players would want to go play in a bowl. Maybe they would. I don't know. A lot of young guys, maybe they yeah. would. I, I have the feeling that they maybe would want to go out on a high note and go on a bowl. But honestly, I don't think, even if, like you said, if Louisville wins this game, I don't think they're going to because even though Louisville is bowl eligible because everyone's bowl eligible this year. I mean, bowls right. are getting cut left and right. I mean, exactly. at some point we're going to run out of bowl, like bowls with ACC affiliations to even go to. So e- even if Louisville had won against Boston college too, it would have been a tough sell to, you know, get to a bowl game. Cause there's, there's only, I think 33 of them now. Yeah. But th- th- is- the thing that comes down to is how many programs just can't play because they have so many COVID issues. Maybe right. if Louisville is healthy and there's no, you know, issues that maybe they would get lucky into a game because a, a, a you know, a bowl nearby thinks that maybe fans would, would watch or whatever the case is. Cause there's yeah. not likely to be fans and travel with bowl season this year. And and here's the thing to consider. Say a, a team is preparing for their bowl and they drop and, out and they, all of a sudden they have to drop out because of COVID. I right. mean, that's a great point. What if what, what if, happens? What if another team uh, gets invited? Say maybe a little. I I mean I. How would you feel? That. How would you feel about that? Because for me, look, even when they were two and ten, I, anytime Louisville sports is on, I'm gonna watch it. I'm yeah, gonna yeah. cheer, and I'm gonna probably think that they're gonna win. Like that's just how I am. I think that's how a lot of Louisville fans are. But do you think that would that a lot of fans in their mind just want to get this over with? I'm sure fans probably do. The players they they. Given all we've heard, they probably want to keep playing, especially the seniors. Now, as the fans, I mean, depending on what goes on with Wake Forest, if they go, if they look good against a decent Wake Forest team, then I think there's going to rejuvenate the hunger for a bowl game. But if they go out there and lay a stinker and turn over, turn over the ball like three, four times, I think a lot of fans at that point are just going to mail it in. All right. Well, tell me what I need to know about Wake Forest. I'll be completely honest with you. Uh, normally in a normal football season, I might watch more ACC games. This year I've watched maybe four. Clemson and Notre Dame is the only one that I can think of off the top of my head that I've watched. But um, I have not seen Wake Forest play. I know a few players, uh, but I know that they don't have Jamie Newman, their quarterback from last year, who was so good. Uh, and then Sage Sherratt, the wide receiver. Um, so outside of that, I believe they just had a player opt out this week, a running yep. back uh, for the NFL draft. So 
Louisville's got that going for him. But Matt, tell tell the audience what they need to know about Wake Forest. Well, even though uh, Jamie Newman's not there anymore, they still kind of run that really slow read option where it seems like they hold the ball together for a whole second before they decide to, uh, you know, de- either keep it and pass it or throw it in the run. So that that's it's it's an offense that's predicated on trying to get the defense to pursue the wrong gaps. So that. Like in the game last year, expect that. Uh, like you said, uh, there's one of their top running backs, Kenneth Walker the third. He opted out, I believe, like a day or so ago. He was one of Wake's uh, leading rushers. He's at, him and a uh, Christian Beal Smith were basically splitting carries throughout the entire year. Beal Smith's got 592 yards. Kenneth Walker was there. Uh, second just by about 13 or so yards but kenneth walker got a lot of those third down and red zone touches because he had 13 touchdowns 13 touchdowns 13 touchdowns he was actually if i was reading like wake notes correctly he was two touchdowns away from setting wake single season touchdown record by running back so he 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 was he was finding the end zone that is wild considering that they have not played a game in almost a month. Their last mm-hmm. game was against North Carolina, a game that they lost 59 to 53, November 14th. They have not played since the week uh, two weeks before Thanksgiving. Like that is absolutely unheard yeah. of. Yeah, and they they were on a little bit of a hot streak recently because this this was their last uh four games. They went they beat number 19 West uh West Virginia Tech. Good lord. <laughs> number 19 Virginia Tech. And then went went to beat and went to Syracuse. I mean, Cuse is Cuse. I mean, but a win's a win. Had a bye week. Then we're in a shootout, an absolute shootout with North Carolina, and they were within a touchdown to win that. And that was like you said on November fourteenth. And then their game against Duke on the twenty first canceled. Then their game on December fifth with Miami postponed. We'll see if that game even gets made. And so now we've got literally three three months to the three months less than a month. Before since, since they've seen the gridiron and Dave Clawson said himself uh, earlier this week or last week, they're not in game shape right now, just because they've been just waiting to see when they're going to take the field. Mark it down right now. This is get your pencil out, your pen, write this down folks everywhere. Des Fitzpatrick, 200 plus yards. I'm telling you, he torched them last year. And if they haven't played in two weeks, it's over. It is over. He is going to have a massive day without Tutu Atwell in the fold. Mark it, book it, bet it, do what you got to do, people. There's the news that you need to know. See, see, while well, I agree that Des Patrick is going to have a monster game, because especially with the news that Tutu is declaring for the draft. It's his final I, game of, this, of his career, it's, man. It's his final game as a Cardinal, senior day. He's going to go off. Now, whether that translates to a Louisville victory, I'm honestly, I'm not 100% sure. Now, hear me out. Hear me out. What's been Louisville's bugaboo all season? To me, I mean, obviously the turnovers, but that's exactly. not, but but it's not it's not that simple. That's an easy answer. The biggest right. issue has been the offensive line not being able to block and give him time. Now, look, he has turned the ball over at a incredibly bad rate, doing you know just silly things out there. But to me, the biggest issue is not the turnovers. I mean, it is, but it's a product of a bad offensive line right. play. But long story short, turnovers has been the the unquestionable storyline of Louisville football in 2020. That just is what it is. It doesn't matter what contributed to those turnovers, whether it's Malik making bad reads, whether it's running backs coughing up the ball, whether it's the offensive line not be able to block for either of them. But turnovers have been the focal point as to why Louisville is at 3-7 and seven right now. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Wake Forest takes incredibly good care of the football. Now, just take a wild guess, uh, Jacob. How many times has Wake Forest turned the ball over? this season hmm i'm gonna go seven seven total times lower four total times lower that's incredible i don't know i mean they have incredible they 
Wake Forest in seven games has turned the ball over one time. And it was a, I can't remember who, who it was a fumble, but it was a fumble. Sam Hartman, he's, he's kept the football in safe hands. He's, oh, yeah, he's only got eight touchdowns, but he's got 1,682 yards and zero interceptions. I mean, that's winning football right there. Yeah, he might not have the touchdown numbers, but if you're not giving the ball to the other team, that, that, you're putting yourself in the best position to be able to win, especially when you've got a, a running back like Kenneth Walker, who's, who's rushed for 13 touchdowns in seven games. This is the weirdest statistical team I have seen this season. Like eight touchdowns for a quarterback is crazy. A, a team with four wins. But uh, here's what the law of averages tells me. Louisville has been <laughs> – they've been kind of trending upwards with turnovers, right, before uh, – the, the it feels like they haven't played in nine weeks. But before the bye week, they were trending upwards in turnovers. And that last game against BC – thing that felt so frustrating was how many times they dropped a turnover or an interception or, you know, we're so close to getting a big play, forcing a, a fumble, whatever the case is. But the law of averages tells me Louisville is slowly trending upwards in turnovers. You're really starting to see the real Brian Brown defense. Uh, and I think that with a, a guy who hasn't played another team in four weeks, five weeks, maybe with the, the ninth, 10th, whatever they're ranked now in terms of pass defense, maybe, just maybe, Matt, this is the week where Louisville – forces the turnovers instead of being the guinea pig that that does all the turnovers against team who can't force turnover whatever the case is you know who's right. been in that that game 500 times it feels like the game where they come in and you're like yeah the Syracuse they they turn the ball over every time and, and then Louisville gets no turnovers so um I'm interested to see maybe how that kind of how that kind of lays off let me ask you this what did what did coach Brown have to say um, in terms of of how they feel like they can attack and create havoc against a team that doesn't turn the ball over they, they just have to say gap sound. That's, that's really what it boiled down to. I mean, they're putting themselves in the best position. Like like you said, there have been countless times, I think, in that in the Syracuse game, there were several, I think, at least five times where defenders and cornerbacks got their hands on the ball, and it, it just dropped out of their hands. Who I mean, leads the country and dropped interceptions? There's have, no doubt about that they, in my they've mind. They've got to be up there. I mean, it, it's just a matter of capitalizing on those opportunities. As long as they stay gap sound and hold Wake Forest – to this odd offensive uh, read option scheme that they held because they, they themselves, they give up a lot of yardage through the air. They act, I'm looking at it now. They give up 275 passing yards per game. That's 113th out of 127 college football teams. So as long as Louisville gets something done offensively and not look like a dead fish in the water, like they have so many times this season, especially in the latter half. I think the defense, like you said, should be able to get something done. Now it's not going to come against an easy team because Wake Forest, like I told you, takes incredible care of the football and does a phenomenal job of not putting the football in, in harm's way, but simultaneously taking necessary risks and getting stuff done. And they also, again, I keep throwing this in there, but they haven't played in four weeks. Like, who knows how that impacts? Yeah, who who knows the football? How much have they been able to practice? How much have they been able to to work on these things that um, in football, if you're not doing it actively, it just it doesn't. You know, obviously, it's it's body uh, memory or you know whatever whatever it's muscle memory, yeah, muscle memory. But um, if you haven't done it in four weeks against competition, I mean, you would think that as a defense for Louisville, you should be able to take advantage of that. Um, and then on the other side, on you know offense for Louisville, um, 
you don't have Hawkins. You don't have Atwell. You're you're obviously you have you Fitzpatrick have still. You don't have Berkeley. Um, you're you're a shell of yourself at the skill position from what you were. But in this game, I'm really hoping. Obviously, just throw the ball to Dez every time if you have to. I really don't care if that is the game. Or Braden plan, but, Smith because he right. looked so great in the first couple of games. I mean, chuck chuck it up to Dez. I mean, give him like. Not even gonna lie, give him 15 targets in this game because he for deserves sure. every totally. single one of them. I am whenever, on board for that. And whenever Dez is double covered, triple covered, throw it to Braden Smith yeah, because Braden he's Smith proved. And- he's proved whenever you throw the ball to him, most of the times he's gonna get something done, whether that's on long streaks downfield or catch and runs because he's he's like too too light almost. I mean, he's yeah. obviously he's a little bit different with his body size. He's not as he's not as fast as too too. But he's the he's the same kind of Z slot receiver. He he's not gonna he's not gonna burn you like Tutu does. But he 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 did a damn good job of it in that Western Kentucky game. I mean, he yeah. had what was it a hundred plus receiving yards in the first oh, quarter. Yeah, he, he had it in the first quarter most of the yards that he had in that game. Right. He he's in, and we saw it uh, a couple weeks ago. I can't remember who they played uh, who they were playing against, but they got him much more involved when Tutu was I out. Think it, I think it was was it Virginia Florida. Virginia Tech or something. I mean, they played him a lot in a couple of those games when Tutu. I didn't want to play. say it was Florida State because that was that was. The the other game that the offense really exploded. I mean, I think they scored 48 points in that game and they just laid the wood and yeah. imposed their will against Florida state. So I think yeah. it might, but I think it was, it was against one of those Virginia games too. There was, there was a point in the middle of the season where Braden Smith had a, like a re breakout after going quiet for a couple games. Yeah, and uh, I, I hope that um, in a game like this, also you get Jordan Watkins involved. If Tutu's not there, that's the future in your slot. You know, but let's see what that looks like. Let's see what another you know dynamic, uh, speed and athlete guy can do to that offense for for Malik. But uh, the last thing I'll say about this uh, this game, uh, obviously the season means nothing at this point. Uh, they're three and seven. Uh, it's a COVID year. We we just want to get guys healthy. Uh, and be able to to truly maximize every opportunity that they've gotten. But the one thing I do know about Scott Satterfield's teams and something that I'm really hoping to see this weekend, because um, let's be honest, Matt, Louisville fans need to see something positive right now. Uh, and I think the one thing that really can change the the heart of Louisville, like what pulls at the heart, uh, the, the heartstrings of Louisville fans is this senior class, the guys who went through that 2018 dilemma uh and if you get to see what we did against mississippi state last year and who i cannot remember who they played on senior night last year but uh, at louisville but they got their seniors involved they did i remember gary mccray had a big play boozy whitlow had a big play um and pfeiffer had big plays you had Devonte pete score a touchdown kane pass had the you know the fumble return against mississippi state like towards the end of the season last year their seniors the older guys who maybe didn't play big roles got involved um, but I'm hoping in this senior night, we're going to get to have some memories from guys like Dorian Etheridge, CJ Avery, Des right. Fitzpatrick. Like I, I, I'm really hoping that that's the focal point going into this game is making sure that those guys get the opportunity uh, to have big plays. And the guy, I don't know how you do this. I'm trying to think of in my head, the play call, but my Lord, Matt, if we could get a Juwan pass touchdown, like that would make 2020, right? Like if I just a big play Juwan pass touchdown in his final game, after, set the universe back in order, I think. After everything he's been through, he he's just he's remained loyal. Just he, if anyone deserves a big senior moment, it I I agree with you. It, it's got to be him. And there's make, there's eight there's eighteen seniors that's going to be honored on senior days. There's there's plenty of opportunities for seniors to make big time plays on senior day. But if there's anyone who deserves a big time senior moment, if there's anyone who deserves their Keith Otto three pointer in the corner right, moment, right. It's Jawan Pass. You're exactly right. So that's what that's what I'm hoping for. I, I think that like if if there's a couple of those like interception returns for a touchdown or a sack on a third down or you know a Des Fitzpatrick 
Patrick big play. Like that's the kind of stuff that I think is going to get Louisville fans kind of reeled back in because those guys, they have our hearts that we, we watch them go through so much with the, the coaching change and the um, just the complete collapse of the program there for that year. And, and you really want to send them out on a high note. Um, so I hope it's more about that for fans. If I can urge fans, I'm never the guy that tells fans what to do, but if I can urge fans this weekend to put down their frustration with Scott Satterfield, um, to give these guys who went through hell for Louisville for the last four and five years, their moment, that's what I hope for more than anything, man. I, I just hope that we can send them off in the right way. Absolutely, because they, they had ample opportunity to just jump ship anytime they could, especially this year when like it, they could have just said, oh, I'm opting out. And we would have just unquestionably accepted it because that's just how COVID is. They they stuck it out and they just saw it to the end. So they they deserve for their sakes their un, unwavering support. There's just Absolutely. no question about it. Absolutely, 100%. So hopefully we'll see that this weekend. I'm hoping that Louisville will walk away with the win. I'm not I'm not 100% sold yet. I know you said earlier you're not sold. But hopefully there's something in, in in Cardinal Stadium, just some some magic, man, some kind of magic that they can pull out of their hat to get this game like they did last year in that shootout. Uh, if you have to make one prediction for this weekend, what is it? Quickly before we sign off of here. Um, oof, put me on the spot. I did um, put you on the spot. I didn't. I did not send you that question before the show started. I wanted to catch you on the spot. What are you thinking? Like, what's the thing as you kind of prepare for this game? Like, what's your gut tell you? I know I already said this with Patrick, two hundred yards, but like, what's your gut tell you is going to happen? You're not going to like what my guts tell me because my guts tell me that Wake's going to win this game by uh, 31-28 because that was my personal prediction when I wrote about it earlier today. But if, if I had to choose like anything other than the final score, I think – I mean, this this is going to be the cliche answer of going to this game, and I'm sorry to give this answer. It's the easy one. It's the pretty I'd put you on the spot. One. So the, the people who want to get upset with you, they can redirect that at me. And they'll be fine. I, Des is going to have a monster game. There's just no if ands, or buts about it. He's been the guy, the leader for this Louisville team. So – Anything short of 15 targets, I think is, I'm going to be shocked. Yeah, uh, here's mine. And Pfeiffer catches the game-winning touchdown and declares he's coming back for a seventh season. Look, the, <laughs> let's just give the people what they want, Ian. Five dog, man. Let's get that seventh season. We, we need it. Now that, that there is uh, the rule allow you, five. we need that seventh year, man. Become the Aaron Kraft or the um, – It's the Tim Tebow moment. The, I'm coming back the, for my senior year. What? Who's who's the Kansas guy? Perry Ellis, the Aaron Kraft, the Perry Ellis of college football. <laughs> Yeah, we got to make Fife Dog just an all, all-time tight end. He gets to play here until the day that he dies. But but no, in all seriousness, man, I, I think that there's going to be a senior, whether it's you know somebody like Ian Fife or Roscoe Johnson, somebody that is going to have – somebody who just kind of comes out of nowhere is going to have a big play. Like we saw it multiple times in those two games, like I mentioned. I just – I have a feeling that's going to happen. So um, hopefully it's with a Louisville win and, uh, you know, we can get back to – Talking about the offseason, because it felt like we were just in an offseason two weeks ago. Uh, it's been the weirdest football season that I can remember in my entire life. Um, and it's going to be potentially over. It's kind of kind of bittersweet here. but it, it, It's crazy because we were so antsy to get to the start of the football season. It, it felt like the offseason was just dragging and dragging and dragging. And now football season's almost over. I mean, almost the regular over. season, the regular season only has a couple more days left. Conference championship weekend is next not this upcoming weekend, but next weekend. It's even Weird. even in the COVID year, the season goes by fast. <laughs> You're exactly right, man. But uh, for the audience, uh, thank you guys for tuning in uh, for the first three episodes. We have had a blast uh, getting to talk a little football and, and start to kind of grow this podcast and get it off the ground. But uh, just because the season ending does not mean that the podcast is ending. We're going to have uh, nope. the next couple of weeks are, are going to be some of my favorite episodes because we're going to get to talk about the future. We're going to get to talk about w- what has to be fixed in the offseason, what we're looking forward to. Uh, we're going to we're going to bring back a staple from the Big Red Louie our, our, from our our 
first season um, covering football with the Big Red Lily podcast. If you listen to that, uh, the Freaky Awards, Matt, I got to tell you, it's my favorite episode we've done. The Freaky <laughs> Awards, it's, uh, yeah. it is – we're gonna we were talking about it a little bit in the group chat, and I was busy writing at the moment, so I kind of glanced by, and I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? Yeah, if you, if you are listening to the show and you've got 45 minutes of downtime and you are not ashamed to just dive into a rabbit hole, I would encourage you to go back to that podcast episode with Presley and I with the Freakies because – it was not well done. I'll tell you that. Not well done. This year, it will be It will be much better. We'll have special guests. We're going to do this the right way. We are going to make this a production. We'll figure it out. So I would encourage you to, to tune back in for that. But Roundtable podcast discussion? Yeah, man. We can do all kinds of things. But we're, we're going to have a, a very interesting offseason. Things are going to move quickly once the season is over with graduate transfers and transfers. And Louisville is going to have a couple spots to fill. So we're going to figure out what they're doing there. And then the uh, recruiting cycle starts anew in just a few months. And then we'll exactly. have plenty to talk about there. Exactly. And there is, uh, you know, in-state there is a lot of good talent this year. This is a big year for the state of Kentucky. Uh, once again, let me plug the Red Chips podcast with Dalton Pence, um, the recruiting podcast from the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Uh, check out uh, stateoflouisville.com if you haven't. Uh, Dalton has a great piece there on the Louisville football program pursuing the 2022 class and the, the guys to watch for. There is a lot of talent in this city and in this state next year. Uh, and we are really Man, we're really going to find out about the recruiting prowess of this staff based off of how they do in this class. But again, I can't thank you guys enough for tuning in. We have had so much fun. Uh, the season has not been fun. It has, but it hasn't. It's been a weird couple of weeks. Um, I'm just hoping we can get back to normal around here, which in 2020, that, that's about asking for the worst when we start asking to go back to normal. Wear a mask so you can tailgate again. <laughs> well, we'll catch you guys next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.